welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Oh, man. We need to be able to come to church and let the Lord do what he wants to do and sometimes just push our agenda off to the side and make sure that the Holy Spirit has freedom to work. Did you know the Holy Spirit is here right now and he can do anything you need done? It's, but it's not a matter of what he can do. A matter, it's what it's a matter of is what are we going to believe he's going to do for us. So many times Jesus had to teach for a long time before people got to the level of faith to receive the miracles that they needed from him. It says many places in the Bible the people came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. What came first? Hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then they were healed of their diseases. Never underestimate the power of what builds your faith. Never underestimate the development process. Never underestimate the faith cometh by hearing and hearing part because that leads to miracles. A lot of times when people don't want to do any hearing, they have a hard time believing because faith comes by hearing. And so don't, you, you want, one of the main things we go to church for other than ministering to the Lord is to hear the word of God to build our faith so we can receive more from him. And he can't receive for us, so we better learn a little bit about receiving and uh, do what he says, and we'll get what, we, what he wants us to get. He loves us. He cares for us. He's our father. Are you kidding me? He wants everybody healed. Amen. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And actually, before we actually even go to that direction, I want Carla to come up for a minute, because we've got a really important day coming up. Although every Sunday is very important, we've got an extra important day. We were talking over coffee and tea like we do almost six days a week at home, and she had something on her heart, and I thought, wow, that needs to be shared to our church before Resurrection Sunday so that we all realize we've got something to do before Resurrection Sunday. So, Carla, share what you're going to share with the people. So the other day I was on, um, I was actually looking at some news things on Facebook, and I saw something that was going on. There was some, it was Christian news. It was um, some things about the war that's going on in Russia, Ukraine, and all that. And um, it showed some pictures of casualties and people. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, that's not the only war that's going on right now. And not to take away from what is going on right there, but do you know there's a war going on right now in Mesa County? And I'm telling you, it's a serious war. And there are casualties, and there are wounded, and there are people who need rescued. And so I was talking to John about, about this, and I said, I think we need to call it, you know, yes, it's Easter Sunday, and yes, it's Resurrection Sunday, but I'm telling you, church, it's Rescue Sunday. You are all enlisted on a search and rescue team. That's right. These people, they were represented. The people who came forward this morning, there are some who need a healing from God, or they might not make it. There are marriages who might not make it. There are finances who might not make it. These people need rescued, and those people who came forward this morning are just a drop in the bucket of those who are in our valley right. who are going through these things, and even worse. Right, Carla. 
And so we all need to be on the search and rescue team. I told him, I said, I think we need to have t-shirts made that say FHC search and rescue. I'm telling you, my dad has been on a search and rescue team in the natural. And do you know when you're on the search and rescue team, you may have to go out in the cold and look for people buried in the snow and snowmobiles. It's not comfortable. You may have to go and you may have to dive deep into water and try to find people who are drowning. You may have to jump out of helicopters. I'm telling you, you have to risk your own life at times to rescue people who need you. And God has equipped everyone in this room with something to be able to rescue the hurting people. Our teenagers need rescued. There are bombs going off right here around us, bombs of divorce. There are bullets of lust, adultery, divorce going on. There are all kinds of machine guns going on to our children, trying to teach them the wrong things in schools. I'm telling you, church, we are their rescuers. We need to get them here. And so I'm going to encourage everyone in this room. You know, there's been times we've had what we call big days. Everybody brings somebody. We've called them big days. We've said, pack the house Sunday. Everybody brings somebody. Well, I'm telling you, it's more serious today than ever. I'm going to ask everybody in here to search out. The Holy Ghost will show you where they are. They may be in your own family. They may be your neighbor. They may be a coworker. It might be your mailman. It might be the person at the bank teller. It might be a grocery store clerk. The Lord knows where they are. Mm -hmm. And we need to all be on that search and rescue team. And every day from now until Resurrection Sunday, we need to say, Holy Ghost, where are they? I'm searching. Where are those in my orbit of life that need rescued? Sometimes you can see them crying out. Sometimes you can't. Some people hide their pain, but the Holy Ghost sees it. Mm. And so I'm just telling you, be aware. And I want this Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, Rescue Sunday, I want this place packed full of people who need rescued. And I'm telling you, if we do that, church, the Holy Ghost is going to show up. He's going to save them. He's going to heal them. He's going to give them peace and joy and hope like never before. People are going to get delivered. It's time. Let's go out and let's rescue them. Amen. Just stay right here. Let's don't wait for a near-death experience to do these things. To to remember how serious, because when you get close to death, you realize there's another side, a few clicks, we're all out of here. Only what we do for the Lord matters. Let's not wait for a near-death experience, because some people really get their act together when they almost die. How about we not do that? How about we just be wise? Amen. You know, like the wise men from the east, they sought the Lord because they were smart, not because they were half dead. Hmm? How about we just pray this prayer right now? Heavenly Father, give me a revelation of what Carla just shared. I am on a search and rescue team. Don't let me get away from it. Let it burn in my spirit. I'm here for a short amount of time. And when I leave here, I can't reach my neighbors anymore. When I leave here, I can't reach my friends anymore. When I leave here, I can't help people anymore on the earth. We're in a very unique time right now. There's things we can do now we can't do when we get to heaven. Right now, you're 50 yards away from somebody but later, you, you won't be able to reach them anymore. Yeah. There'll be a great goal fixed. Yeah. I want to share one more thing. Cool. You just reminded me of 
most of you heard us announce last week that our friends um, Daniel Aikens, who is in Romania, and Pablo, mm -hmm. who is in Romania, they went, they risked their own lives, they left their wives and children at home, and they went to, they're in Romania, they border the Ukraine, they went to the border and they rescued families mm -hmm. with babies and children, and they're letting them stay in their own homes. Mm -hmm. How serious is that to do that in the natural? Well, there's people right next door to you who are just as serious. Because if these people die without Jesus, it's just as serious as those people over there trying to get out of a war country. These people need rescued out of a war. And people are pretty good at covering their pain. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to just believe something's going on in their life. They don't look like it. They seem happy. They're drinking. They're doing all this. Friend, most people have something going on on the inside of them that they don't want you to know about. So most people you invite are needing some kind of major help. Yeah. You're not going to know it by the expression on their faith. You're not going to know it by the car they drive. But you're going to know it because most people around you right now are in trouble. Yes. Mm. You never know someone's heart. You never know how they feel. Deepest dumps are the highest heights. Blackest blacks are the whitest whites. Kenny Marks, the late yeah. Kenny Marks. Yeah. But they're all around, church. We're on the search and rescue team. And if you would just real quick put up on the screen Matthew 9, 2. And then we'll also look at verse 32. This is not a part of the, the main message, but um, Mark chapter 9, verse 2. And Mark chapter 9, verse 32. I want you to notice something here. It, it's uh, very interesting the way the Lord words this. It says, um, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew. Thank you guys for being so perfect back there. I made a mistake. Matthew 9, 2. What does it say? First two words. What does it say? Behold what? Behold what? Behold they brought. God wants us focusing on there is a they brought ministry. Jesus could not have healed the multitudes without these people bringing them. Are you following me? Well, this is the Lord's church. We are the body of Christ. And when we bring people to this church, we're bringing people to Jesus yeah. in the earth realm. We're not the only great church. There's a lot of great churches, but local churches are parts of the body of Christ. Jesus is in local churches. And without they brought, there would have been no he healed. We need each other. Here's another revelation. You ready for this? Jesus needs you. What does he need me doing? Bringing people to him. Notice they brought a man sick of the palsy, paralyzed, lying on a bed. Jesus saw their face, said unto them, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. The next verse says, he healed. Behold, certain of the scribes said this man blasphemes. Keep going. Let's get to the healing part. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, says, why do you think evil in your hearts? Next verse. Um, go ahead and skip to seventh, the seventh verse. Uh, sixth verse? <laughs> we skipped the one. He said, but you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Next verse. He arose, took up his bed and went to his house. So that would have not happened if they hadn't brought him. Do you see how important they brought is? What are we supposed to check out? We need to check out this paralyzed man got healed. No, you check out they brought first. Verse 32, this is all over the New Testament, even in the book of Acts when Jesus is in heaven. It says, they went out and behold what? Huh, what, behold what? 
they brought unto him a dumb man possessed with a devil. Next verse. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying it was never so seen in Israel. So this man would not have been set free from not being able to speak and not being able to hear unless somebody would have brought him. In faith, believing the power of God's in my church. Jesus is in my church. Yes. Miracles happen in my church. That's an act of faith. And I, one thing I believe the Lord spoke, as Carla was, was sharing, is that some people are going to start receiving manifestations of miracles in their body and in their soul, manifestations of miracles and manifestations of healings as they act like a healed person and bring people to church. Yes. It's not earning anything. It's just acting in faith that you believe you got what you got prayed for today. Yes. It's an act of Jesus. Saw their faith. What faith? They brought. Four crazy friends brought a man, let him down in the roof. Right? I say crazy in a joking way. Four people of faith and Jesus saw all their faith. What, what is faith in manifestation? Bringing people to Jesus, expecting them to get healed. You can say, I have faith, but how about we show we have faith? Let's have faith in what the Lord's doing in our church. Let's have faith that when we bring people Resurrection Sunday or any Sunday, they're going to get a touch from the Lord and it's going to change their life. So go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I've got a few more minutes left. Not many, but I've got a few. A lot of good's already happened. A lot of great things have already transpired and are transpiring. I want you to notice 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And Father, as we read the rest of these scriptures, we're asking for revelation. We're believing, Father, for impartation. We're asking for help. We're asking for answers. We're asking for direction for now and the next steps of our lives. We're asking that you would speak to our hearts and help us and show us things that will revolutionize our lives so we can... Do the things you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 15. We're kind of breaking in on a thought here, but there's a phrase that the Lord's made alive on the inside of me that I, I just need to share it with us until we get it deeper in us. Verse 15, Paul says, <clears throat> I'm not boasting of things beyond our measure. Uh, what other people are doing. That is of other men's labors. But Paul said to the church, but having hope, when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. Then NIV says it like this. When your faith is increased, Paul said, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. What was Paul's ability to give them more predicated on? Not just his ability. You need to understand this. Paul was able to do great things among them. But he said it won't happen until your faith is increased. See, some people think God doesn't want them healed because they haven't seen healing yet. No, God wants you healed because by Jesus' stripes you were healed. If you haven't received it yet, don't say that's not God not wanting you to have it. When our faith is increased, things are going to change. Yes. Now, like I said last week, you can leave the message of faith, say, that doesn't work. I tried it and I didn't get healed. My loved one didn't get healed. You can leave faith and try to find some other way to receive from God. But 40 years later, you will come back to faith because God's not changing for you. That's right. Faith is how you receive from the Lord. Yes. Faith is how you will always receive from the Lord. And the number one reason why it's faith, because if it's not of faith, grace won't work. Grace cannot be earned. Grace cannot be worked up to. Grace has to be received as a gift by faith. 
And that's why it's by faith and that's why it's by grace because they both work together. Now you know why the devil's trying to separate faith and grace. No, they work together. And this scripture says, Paul said, when your faith is increased, our sphere of activity among you will increase. We'll be able to do more among you not just because God said to, not just because we have the power to. You've got to open the door, people. You have to believe. You need to increase in faith Amen. if you want our ministry to be enlarged among you. When your faith is increased, some people say, Pastor, when's my life going to get better? When your faith is increased. Do you, do you realize that God wants everybody totally set free on this planet, but he's not going to make everybody receive deliverance? Just like he's not making anybody receive salvation. And I look at it this way. If faith is required to be saved and go to heaven, why would we think we can get healed some other way? I mean, if God lets people go to hell who don't believe, why would we be freaked out if he let people die who don't believe? What, what, what am I saying? Faith is important stuff. Faith is how you quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. No wonder faith is under attack. No wonder the devil wants you to get antsy in a faith church. Don't they know anything else but faith? Oh, we know other things, but how about we not move on until we get this down? Right. Until everybody's living in victory, I think we need to talk about faith. Because it's how you receive from the Lord. All right? I want to read a couple things we said last week. God's ability through Paul to do more for the Corinthians was not enough. They had to have increased faith to meet that ability. Religion says, well, when it comes to being healed and when it comes to being delivered from darkness, when it comes to being set free, it's all up to the Lord. No. That's what religion says. Jesus said, no. Right. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Right. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. He told the blind man, according to your faith, be it unto you. He told Jairus, the man who had a, a daughter who, was, who had died, he said, as you have believed, so be it unto you. His daughter was raised from the dead. Oh, come on, church. If Jesus said, your faith made you whole, I'm going to go with Jesus, not religion. See, a lot of people today will say, no, it's all up to God. God, you know, God's in control. It's all up to God. That's not what Jesus preached. And I'm going with Jesus. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. He could have said a thousand and one things there. He could have said, daughter, my power made you whole. Daughter, God made you whole. He said, daughter, your faith made you whole. No, we know without God and without the power of God, she would have got nothing. But the power being received into her life had to be her faith. Amen. I know sometimes God does sovereign things. It looks like people don't have to exercise any faith, but he's not doing that every hour on the hour. But it doesn't mean you can't get what you need anytime you need it by faith in the word, which is faith in him. We said this last week, that <clears throat> the whole principle of faith, and we'll study this, we'll share a few more things about this today. Just, just think about where you're at in life, in your health, or where you're at in your peace level, where you're at in your joy level, where you're at in your prosperity, where you're at in your marriage, where you're at in your business. Just ask yourself where you're at. Now think about this statement, because it's faith. I'm telling you, this is faith. If you can get this, you will come up. You ready? We come up to the level we believe we're at. Mm -hmm. I believe the Lord said, say it a few times because most people don't get that. Yeah. We come up to the level 
we believe we are at. You got to believe you're there before you're physically there. It's called faith. It's called faith is the evidence of things not seen. For by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Why? Because they believed they had things before they saw they had them. They believed they had what God said they have before they felt it. And that's what led to them having it, and that's what led to them feeling it. I'm telling you, there's something in this area of happiness that people need to realize. They need to get a revelation about happiness. So many people are not happy because feelings are the most important thing in their life. There is something a million times more important and a million times more powerful than how you feel. And you can be the puppy dog all your life chasing after happiness or you can start being some things and happiness chases after you. You can keep being, uh, you know, a thermometer and just responding to all the atmospheres around you or you can be a thermostat child of God and start believing and speaking some things into existence that Jesus wants you to have because it's in the Bible. Say this, I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. Now, Now say this, this takes a little more boldness. Say this. I am not not. only human. human. The Bible says you're made in the image and likeness of God. Paul said, don't you know you're the offspring of God? That's why this whole evolution thing is so crazy off. You know why kids have a problem with self-esteem? Because they think their uncle is a monkey. Or they think their great-granddad is a piece of goo from the zoo to you, as Keith Moore would say. Come on, church. If you really think about it, man has not evolved in 6,000 years from walking with God in the cool of the day. Man has devolved from ruling and reigning as a king, walking with God in the cool of the day, to slave to all these passions and affections of the flesh and lusts and doing crazy animalistic things. You call that evolving? I call that devolving. Here we got Adam walking with God in the cool of the day and now we've got people today don't even know if they're a man or a woman. Doing all kinds of crazy things. Now my, my heart goes out to these people because the number one reason I think these people have slipped so far into these things called transgenderism and all this other stuff is because the church has not shown them how to get free By the power of God. They've had nice little lectures. They've had nice little pep talks. But when it comes right down to it, you just, there's the power of God's in the church to save anybody and set anybody free. I mean, if if Jesus, if people can be healed from full demon possession, they can be healed from feeling like there's something that they're not. And I think it's time the church quit, you know, quit just trying to, you know, preach only. We need to believe for power to hit our services. We need to believe that things get into people and miracles happen. I just want to say this about happiness. You know, you can change how you feel, child of God. I said you can change how you feel. No, pastor, I'm depressed because it's biological and it runs in my family. No, no. If you believe that lie, you'll stay depressed. You have power on the inside of you to overcome how you feel. You can always be going after feelings or the feelings you want could be coming after you. 
You have charge over your body. You have charge over your soul. You've got power over your will. You can, but you got to know you got it and you got to use it. I know these things sound a little foreign to some people, but it's, we're in the last days. The enemy's not pulling any punches. Preachers should not pull any punches. Let's tell it like it is. Some sermons you're going to walk out going, other sermons you're going to go home and fall across the bed and repent. Amen. We need them both if you want to grow up properly and not be warped. Amen. We come up to the level we believe we're already at. You've got to get there in faith first. First, it's invisible. Then it's visible. First, it's underground. Then it shows up above ground. First, you believe. Then you see. Or can I say it this way? First, you believe. And then you feel. If you don't like what you're feeling, believe for something different. Open your mouth. Declare. Um, when it comes to wisdom... When it comes to asking of the Lord wisdom, the Bible says, ask in faith and the Lord will give you wisdom and he'll upbraid you not. He'll, he'll give it freely. He loves you. He cares for you. Let him ask of God and he'll give to all men liberally and he does not upbraid. Ask for wisdom. What do you need to do? You need to ask in faith. You need to say, when, I, when I'm done praying for wisdom, Lord, I need to know what to do about this very important thing in my life. I need to know about this person. Should I marry them or not? I need to know about this business. Should I invest or not? I need to know about this ministry. Is this you or just me wanting to do something for you? Lord, I need to know. I need to know. Should I move? Should I stay? Should I do this? Should I not do this? Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm, I, this is important to me. Lord, what should I do? In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Now, if you asked in faith, you no longer go, I don't know what to do about that. I'm not sure what to do about that. Golly, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? You didn't ask in faith, so don't think you're going to receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What you need to do after you pray for wisdom for something, you need to say this. I believe I know what to do before I know what to do. What are you saying? You said, I believe God heard my prayer. I believe in my spirit I know what to do. And my mind's about to get a revelation. And one of the best things you can do when you don't know what to do is say, I believe I know what to do. I said, one of the best things you can do when you don't know what to do is to say, I believe I know what to do. You didn't say, I know what to do. You said, I believe I know what to do. You're pulling it in. You're pulling the wisdom in. You're pulling the understanding in. And before you know it, you're going to be driving down the road or riding your bike or taking a shower and all of a sudden, bing, I know what to do. Why? Because you believed you know what to do before you knew what to do. I'm like, I'm rapping now, man. (laughs) I'm rapping. <laughs> now, say this. I believe I know what to do. Though I don't know what to do. I'm pulling it in. God heard my prayer. It's getting clear to me. I'm beginning to see. He, he, he. <laughs> You're all rapping with me. Now, How many of you realize you don't need to wait for other people to bless you? It's when your faith increases, you'll see greater things. Faith puts no pressure on people. Boss, you better give me a raise. How about just become more valuable and they will? Or how about just trust God and he'll help you whether they do or not? That's good preaching. You don't get rich by demand. Just become better, become more valuable. I thought it was real interesting. This was years ago. Years ago, uh, this man was talking about the, uh, the CEO for Disneyland. 
over Disney, CEO of Disney. And they said, they said this man, so-and-so, makes $50 million a year. I said, who, 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 who would pay somebody $50 million a year? Somebody who's made themselves so valuable that they make Disney $3 billion a year. They've studied. They've studied. They burned them in idol. While others were playing, they were studying. They made themselves so valuable that Disney says, I'll give you $50 million a year because you make us $3 billion a year. Deal. <laughs> Why they pay some people, and I've heard it, success in life people that teach you know, success principles, why do they pay some of those people a million dollars a pop? Because they've studied. They know how to speak. They encourage employees to be faithful. They encourage uh, businesses to have vision. They help businesses become multi, multi-millions. And of course they'll pay you a million to help a business become that. Well, you can take that in any area. You want more, become more. Not more as a person. Are you kidding me? You're as valuable as you can get by the blood of Jesus. As a person, you are priceless. You are valuable. The precious blood of Christ has redeemed you. When all the riches in the universe couldn't, his blood redeemed you. You are worth God, the death of God's son. But in this marketplace thing, in this society thing, you might need to become a little more valuable to where people can't do without you. They cry when you leave. Anybody can develop. Anybody can go higher. Now, <clears throat> I said this <clears throat> last week too, and I have to get into something else in the last couple minutes here, but I said last week that one of the ways you grow in faith is by speaking what you believe. When you don't feel like speaking what you believe. When you feel like speaking what you feel. Sometimes you got to go, no, I'm not going to speak what I feel. I'm going to speak what I believe. I feel sick, but by his stripes, I believe I'm healed. I don't feel well, but I say by his stripes, I'm healed. I may look like my bank account's empty, but my God supplies all my need. This is how you develop in faith. You, you use your faith against tests and trials that are coming against you. You push back. I like the saying, when the devil hits, hit back. Right? You can in the name of Jesus and do great damage to his works. But I said this, I said, <clears throat> when it comes to developing in faith, when it comes to staying in faith, when it comes to seeing miraculous results in your life, you need to get in the habit of speaking what you believe more than anything else. Just make sure you're believing what Jesus said and not some lie of the enemy like you're not going to make it. Listen closely. Sometimes it takes a while to see results in this believing and speaking. Jesus said, if you believe a thing in your heart and you say that thing with your mouth, you will eventually have whatever you say. I added the word eventually, but you will have whatever you say, whether it's immediate or later. If you believe something in your heart and you say it with your mouth long enough, you'll have whatever you say or Jesus lied. The very sobering thing about this principle is it works in the negative as well as the positive. You can believe bad things in your heart, complain and burn them out and say them out of your mouth. Eventually, if you keep saying that stuff, you will build a mountain in your life and it won't be the devil. It won't be God's will. It'll be something you did with your creative abilities and you're going to have to correct it. So here's something the Lord gave us last week, among the other things. Never underestimate <clears throat> the gradual moving of a mountain. See, the devil wants you to think when you're speaking God's word and you don't see any immediate change and nothing's happening. That's the enemy. Something amazing is happening or Jesus lied. Amen. The mountain is being removed. 
you're either chipping away at it or chunking away at it. Something's happening. If you're believing God's word and you're saying it with your mouth, I don't care if you don't see any visible change for four weeks. Never underestimate the gradual moving of a mountain. Say gradual. gradual. Not everything is immediate. Faith in God is not magic. It's faith in God. Some things are immediate. Some things are, they happen immediately. But a lot of things are over time. Um, like healing. Sometimes healing is by degree. You get better and better. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Some of you that came forward today probably got an immediate miracle. Some of you are going to recover as you go on in faith saying, I believe I got it. I believe I got it. I went forward and prayed. Hands were laid on me. Jesus said, I shall recover. Why do I have to pray about the same thing again? I believe I got it. I believe I got it. And as you go in that kind of a lifestyle and attitude, you're recovering. So, just like we're not to underestimate the gradual moving of a mountain or a problem in our life by believing and speaking God's word over that situation, don't underestimate the gradual building of a mountain. Don't think that wrong confessions are doing nothing to your future. Get in the habit of repenting when you know you've said something against the word of God and what you know is true. I just don't think we're going to make it. Repent. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You think God's going to leave you high and dry halfway through your battle? Yeah, but it feels. See, you're going by what you feel, not what God said. This is where you got to toughen up a little bit. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. You've got to be a fighter if you want to overcome. Amen. You can't just lay down and play dead. You've got to be a fighter. You've got to rise up and say, I don't care what my wife thinks. I don't care what my husband thinks. I don't care what my kids think. Praise God, I'm healed. Yes. By the blood of Jesus, I'm yes. coming out of this. Yes. If my neighbors hear me, they can hear me. I rebuke this disease. Amen. I rebuke this thing in Jesus' name. Get out of my life. Yes. Body, shape up. Yes. If you can't walk, crawl. Right? If you can barely walk, try to run. What do you say? Now, I'm not saying just by your own brain. Be led by the Spirit. But I'm telling you, you get in the Word of God about these things, Holy Spirit's going to start challenging you. Do a little more. Healed people can. Do a little bit more. Do a little bit more. I can't raise my hand. Then help, help take your right hand and raise it. What would have happened that day when Jesus told the man with the withered hand? What would have happened that day when Jesus said, stretch forth your hand? Now, you know, he's trying to do that for all his life, right? He's had never had motion in his hand for years. What, what, what would have happened if Jesus would have said, stretch forth your hand? And the guy would have said, I can't, Lord, I've tried a thousand times. Jesus would have said, next. Yep. Or he would have taught him what faith is maybe and raised his level. But the man didn't do that. Jesus said, stretch forth his hand. And the man did all that he could do, which was not enough. Amen. Probably looked like a fool, you know. And then the power got hit and he went like this. Amen. Why? Well, because God's going to always ask you to do things you can't do. Amen. You don't need him if you can do it all yourself. But when you do an act of faith, when you do whatever you can, he'll do the rest through you. And before you know it, you'll have done something you couldn't do because you believed and did what he told you to do. My, my, my. So in closing, turn to the book of Joel, chapter 2. A lot of these things, good or bad, are in the category of fruit. Stuff that's been growing for a while. There's good fruit, there's bad fruit. All dependent upon things we've done months and years ago. 
and continue to do. Listen, fruit means a slow but sure process. Don't underestimate the gradual moving of a mountain. Don't underestimate the gradual building of a mountain. These little things, what we're believing and saying throughout the months and years, build things in our future. And people go, I don't know why all this bad stuff happens to me. Um, Record yourself. (laughs) You'll find out. Get a recording of yourself for the last three to six months. And maybe you'll get a revelation. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat the fruit. Takes a while. Slow process, but sure. Joel chapter 2. There's a phrase, there's there's two phrases I want to leave with you here before we wrap it up. Number one is this. Learn to get in and live in the realm of I got it now because God says I got it now. Say this, the realm realm of I got it now. The realm of I believe I got it now. Okay, by faith, you believe you have what God says you have. Now, in Joel chapter 2, and you'll see this phrase in more places than this one, even in the book of Joel, or Joel. And I want you to notice chapter 2 in verse 21. Joel 2, 21. What does it say? Now, what are the first two words? Fear not. What should we do when we hear those words? Obey them. (laughs) Not try not to, just obey it. I'll try not to fear. No, he didn't say don't try to fear. He said don't do it. So this shows me right here, fearing and not fearing is a choice. It's not something overwhelming. If God said don't be afraid and we're afraid, then we're not doing what he told us to do. Yeah, but I feel back to feelings. You know, something John Wayne said was kind of interesting. He said that courage is feeling scared to death, but saddling up anyway. See, it's more important what you do than what you feel. Are you following your feelings or are your feelings following you? Because you can do certain things to change your feelings. You're a child of God. Of course you can. The Bible says he that bridles his tongue controls his whole body. That will include your feelings. Fear not. So what does that mean? That means don't fear. That means you can feel afraid, but not be giving in to fear at the same time because you're not going to act according to what you feel. You're not going to talk according to what you feel. When he says fear not, he's not talking about don't have any feelings of fear. (laughs) The whole reason he said fear not is because you do feel fear. But feeling fear... And being in fear are two totally different things. Let me put it this way. Fear being on you and you being in fear is two different things. This scripture says don't be afraid. Well, if the Bible says don't be afraid, I suggest you just say, okay, yes, sir. No more being afraid. Why you have feelings of fear? Saddle up anyway. (laughs) But I'm afraid. Well, quit being so feeling led and saddle up anyway. I'll never fly in an airplane. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of flying. No, you're afraid of the plane crashing and dying. So you need to get over the fear of death and then you won't be afraid of flying. That's right. Why would you be afraid to die when the Bible says, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. The sting of death is gone for the Christian. Yes. And we'll talk about more of that on, on Resurrection Sunday. 
Death is not a stingy thing for the Christian. The Lord took the stinger out. It's called falling asleep and the next thing you know you're with the Lord and all your loved ones who went before you. Now notice, fear not, O land. And then he says, what? Now get this, get this. If he tells you to be glad, what should you do? If you have to get toothpicks, prop up the corners of your mouth, you obey the Lord. Why say be glad if you always feel glad? Why even bring it up? There's times you will not feel glad and you're going to have to be it. Do you ever think of the word be glad? God tells us, be glad. What does that mean? Be it. But I don't feel it. I know. This is what leads to feeling it. Be it and you'll feel it. Be it and you'll feel it. How long does it take? Depends on how serious you are. Feel glad comes after be glad. Here's the thing. You are a child of God. You have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You can be any attitude you want to be. You can be anything you want. The Lord wouldn't say be glad if you couldn't be glad. But people get being mixed up with feeling. Feelings are dominating their life. They feel good, they're happy. They don't feel good, they're down. I'm going to be a little strong here because, again, it's, not, it's time to not pull punches. We've got to get people free. Feeling down is a choice. To not believe you're a child of God and to not believe you can do anything about depression. It's a choice. Some people believe they can do something about it. Some people believe they can't do something about it. And they're both, they're both right. The Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10, Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Another translation says this, Don't be depressed. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't be depressed. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me read you something here about that. I was praying not too long ago, just actually yesterday, I think it was, and I wrote this down. Got to catch this with your heart. Depression is a choice. No, pastor, it's a biological thing that runs in my family. Listen, nothing biological is greater than the greater one that's in you. The greatest forces in life are spiritual, not emotional, not physical, not mental. The greatest forces in life are spiritual, right? Believe with the heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you're going to heaven. That's powerful. Get you off the road, Adam put you on. Get you on the road, God wants you on. Depression is a choice. What do you mean? Well, depression is a choice to believe you're not made in the image and likeness of God and that you can't do anything about being depressed. It's a choice to believe that junk. Depression is a choice to not do what God told you to do. Don't be depressed. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But see, people think, but I am depressed. No, you're feeling depressed. Now, if you accept it, yeah, it can become a part of you, but you can reject it. You can kick it out and say, no longer do I believe I am what I feel. I'm what God said I am. I have what he said I have. And I put this down. Depression is a choice to let your feelings and any biological facts override your spiritual ability to take control. Be glad. Okay. And you don't look to, feeling, to your feelings to see if you're glad. 
You look to your spirit, your choice. David said over and over and over again, I will be glad and rejoice. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Being glad is a choice. I said it's a choice. And just because you feel down doesn't mean something's wrong. Sometimes it is, and you need to realize, you know, maybe I need to adjust something. The only time I can see in the New Testament that a Christian should be down and mourn is when they know they're living in sin. James 4 says, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Talking about sinners, people who are living in lifestyles they know they shouldn't be living in. But then even a couple verses later, it says the Lord will lift you up. So you don't stay in that state. You repent and you go on and you get back into joy. Other than that, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, you're not always going to feel like rejoicing, so you have to do this by choice. And it's an act of faith. Oh, come on, church. When you read this verse, put it back on the screen. He said, rejoice and be glad. Why? For the Lord will do great things. It didn't say he'd already done those great things. What comes first? Fear not. Rejoice and be glad. For the Lord will do great things. For who? For those that are not afraid and those that are being glad. Those that are opening the door. Do you realize you got to be happy like you got it before you get it? You got everybody say this. Be happy like you got it. And you'll get it. How about this? Be nice like you got it. And you'll get it. What are you saying? Well, I'm acting right now like I would if I already had this blessing. But this prayer was already answered. I'm acting right now like it's done. I'm going to be nice like I got it. You can tell a lot of people are just not in faith about much because they're always grumpy and grouchy. They're not believing God they got anything good. They're looking at all their natural circumstances thinking this is the way it's always going to be. You got to lift up your eyes and see past this world. You got to see past your feelings and realize there is a realm where you have rights and privileges and blessings galore. And you got to learn to live in that place. I was um, driving down the road, and I'll close with this. I was driving down the road just recently thinking about happiness and about how so many people are following after happiness, not realizing happiness is supposed to follow you. Happiness is not just something because circumstances align and are great. Happiness is something you choose to have by faith. And if you believe scriptures, and you, you know, you can believe your feelings to go the right way. Let's say your feelings are going the wrong way. Well, change it. How? You say, well, as pastor, it's not easy to do. I'm not saying it's easy to do, but we're not wimps either. We're a great people. We have great power. We can, t- we can talk to ourselves and say, soul, what David say? David said to himself, he's looking in the mirror, right? He's looking in the, the metal mirror and he's saying, hey, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? He's asking himself a question. He says, stop it. Hope thou in God, for he is the health of thy countenance, the lifter of my head. He talked himself out of depression into happiness by talking to himself. John, what are you feeling down about? By the blood of Jesus, you're redeemed, forgiven, set free, healed by his stripes, blessed, prosperous, more than a conqueror. Yeah. Yeah. What am I all down about? I'm not going to hell. 
I'm going up when I leave my body, not down. And the Bible says to depart and be with Christ is far better than anything on this planet. So what worst thing that can happen to me is far better. I die and I be with Jesus. It's the worst thing that can happen. Pretty good, huh? The worst thing that can happen to you is far better than anything on this planet. <laughs> to depart and be with Christ is far better. You're really not ready to live until you overcome the fear of dying. And you can believe what God said right now about that and everything else, and you can be happy by choice. Your feelings can follow you. I like Smith Wigglesworth, a great man of faith who's in heaven now. He, all kinds of great things happened in his life and ministry. People were raised from the dead, healed of cancer, all kinds of great things. The insane were delivered under his ministry. This man from uh, uh, England. And he said, I never, talking about himself, Smith Wigglesworth, he said, I never ask Smith how he feels. I tell him how to feel. I tell Smith how to feel. Why are you cast down on my soul? Hope thou in God. Everything's going to be all right. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the donate tab. 